I looked up and everybody was covered with blood and my heart sank because there were no protective gear in the hospital and there was no water to clean up. Welcome to the Washworks podcast, where we're asking just exactly how vital water, sanitation and hygiene, aka wash, is to the everyday lives of billions of people around the world. Something as basic as not having access to clean water can affect people's health. It can decide whether girls can go to school and it has an impact on people's livelihoods too. WASH has its own sustainable development goal, SDG 6, and on this podcast we'll be exploring how it connects to the other 16 SDGs as part of the broader sustainable development agenda. I'm Amruta Bhatnal and I'm an associate editor at DevEx. I also co-write Checkup, a global health newsletter. I'm based in New Delhi and I'm interested in the intersections of different sectors in development. So on this podcast, I'll be doing what I do best, ask questions to Rebecca. And I'm Rebecca Root, a reporter with DevEx, and I've been covering the WASH beat for about three years now. And throughout my reporting, I've learned that WASH is a far more nuanced topic than it perhaps seems. And so I wanted to find out more about both big picture efforts and local solutions and how they're connected. So Rebecca, what are we focusing on today? So this week, we're talking about how WASH impacts health. And despite covering this topic for a while now, it's still really shocking to me all the different ways a lack of wash can then affect a person's health and then what that looks like when a person goes to a healthcare facility for help and that too doesn't have something as basic as running water or soap. And so I was joined by Migs Muldrow, who is the founder and board chair of Village Health Partnerships and she has seen firsthand what it means to not have these facilities. Village Health Partnerships is an NGO in Ethiopia that works to prevent maternal and neonatal deaths and to treat and prevent gynecological complications of childbirth. In remote rural areas in Ethiopia, many women uh, give birth at home. Most women give birth at home and many women uh, and babies die in childbirth. The Ethiopian government, uh, to correct the problem, is attempting to encourage women to come into small remote health facilities to deliver more safely. In 2016, we did a survey of health facilities in the West Oma Zone and found that uh, all of them lacked access to clean water, Uh, Pit latrines would overflow in the rainy season with sewage onto compounds. Open defecation was common. There was no hand washing. There was no appropriate disposal of biohazard materials. Instruments weren't being sterilized and labor and delivery rooms were really quite filthy uh, with blood on exam tables and dirty gauze, et cetera, on the floor, among other things. So Um, We decided that we needed to intervene and we designed a WASH and maternal health initiative with local officials and our Ethiopian partners. We're working to build a network of health facilities in the West Omazone, 12 health facilities, and we're bringing clean water to each of those facilities. 
putting in concrete pit latrines, hand washing stations, biohazard areas with uh, placenta pits and incinerators. And then we're working with medical providers to sterilize instruments, clean facilities, and practice clean and safe health care. Um, so on the most basic level, what happens when there isn't clean water or hand washing stations and proper sanitation in place in these health facilities? It's, it's a really basic concept to have sanitation and hygiene in healthcare, but I always ask people, can you imagine labor and delivery without water? I'll give you a tangible example. I was in the regional health facility and an OBGYN was delivering a baby. I had two nurses with me who were teaching the American Academy of Pediatrics curriculum, helping babies breathe. And we were observing this delivery. And the first baby came out healthy and fine, crying and pink. But lo and behold, there happened to be a second baby. The woman uh, had twins. And that baby came out, as we say, blue and floppy. The nurses jumped in to resuscitate the infant. And luckily, they were able to resuscitate the infant. But when they were finished resuscitating, I looked up and everybody was covered with blood and my heart sank because there were no protective gear in the hospital and there was no water to clean up. So in that moment, I had exposed uh, two on our team to all kinds of infectious disease, including HIV and hepatitis. Um, and also the mother and the babies were at risk for sepsis. Now that was just one example of our team intersecting things in Ethiopia, but nurse midwives on the front lines face uh, delivery every day without access to clean water and mothers and babies then are at risk for sepsis and death. So it's imperative that if we're going to create a safe place for women and babies, uh, we need to implement sanitation and hygiene and access to clean water is critical for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing those stories. And I think it, for many of us uh, that live in, in countries where there is that access, it's just hard to even imagine that that might be a scenario for somebody um, when it seems so obvious you know you need water you need the sanitation and you need it in healthcare facilities what is it that's preventing it from being available what are the biggest hurdles to getting those facilities into a healthcare institution well I think poverty is the bottom line I think where we're working in Ethiopia um, there's deep poverty there's no access to uh, health facilities in general and there's no infrastructure, there's fractionated leadership. And so we start with our effort really from scratch while there are physical buildings in place, there is really nothing in place for the provision of safe healthcare. So we work from the grassroots up and we work with local communities to define what the problems are and how to solve them. Um, and at the most basic is simply developing access to clean water. And so what kind of support do you give health facilities so they can access that clean water? 
Well, every year we go back with a team of engineers and we survey facilities and look for how we might create access to clean water, whether it be rainwater catchment, a hand dug well, put it, implementing an affidavit pump on that hand dug well, or drilling a borehole well. So we look for basic, simple ways that we can create access to clean water. Most of the time, the people know where the water is, they just don't have the means to access it. So we facilitate that with our engineering team. We partner with water engineers for the Americas and Africa, and they're very adept at working with local communities to create access to clean water. Do you think there are people who still don't see that connection between WASH and healthcare? You know, in my experience, everybody understands it. It's what is their ability to implement it? You know, right now, for example, we struggle to find uh, access to water in some of these remote local communities. Um, so I think people get the connection, um, but the means and the wherewithal to implement it become a problem. And then I often see you can't just implement a well and expect the community to practice clean and safe healthcare. So it really has, it can't, you can't see the well in isolation. You also have to look at everything that goes into practicing clean and safe healthcare and support medical providers in that effort. And when you say everything else that goes into that, are you thinking of behavior change and awareness raising? Certainly you need the infrastructure, you need the clean water, you need the the biohazard areas, you need the latrines and the hand washing stations, but you need providers to value the practice of clean and safe healthcare and you need leadership to push providers to implement the practice of clean and safe healthcare. So it's, you know, it's everything together. You have to, you know, in the, in these remote rural areas where there's nothing, you really start from scratch and building from the ground up. But again, it's not enough just to put in a well, you have to look at, you know, are your nurse midwives sterilizing instruments? Are they motivated to devote, to dispose of biohazard appropriately? And then when they're taking care of a woman who's delivering, are they practicing clean and safe healthcare, changing their gloves between, you know, cutting the umbilical cord and final delivery of the baby, you know, that sort of thing. It's important that it all goes together. And then you need the leadership. You need community leadership and government leadership and healthcare leadership to say, this is a priority, this is important, and understand it makes a difference for people's survival and health. And would you have any lessons that you've learned from your work in Ethiopia? You know, I think for us, uh, the most important thing has been building a relationship with communities over time. So we've been working on our projects for more than 10 years, and we have built deep relationships with communities over time. We go back year after year, we reassess health facilities that we're working in, each year that we go back, if there are problems, we work with the community to straighten out those problems and continue to lift up health facilities over time. So nothing is linear, nothing you know, happens in a vacuum, but if you build a relationship, you get to know all the players, they're willing to work with you and work together. 
And as part of that collaborative effort, then I think you can move things forward. Right. And finally, would you have a call to action uh, for the development community, the global health community about this intersection between WASH and health? I think it's absolutely the most important thing that you can do for healthcare is focus on WASH, water sanitation and hygiene in healthcare facilities. If you don't have WASH, you don't have clean and safe healthcare. So it absolutely has to become a priority. What Mix shared is just one story, and there are thousands of women in the world who go to a healthcare facility to deliver a baby, only to realize it doesn't have the basic facilities to ensure that they themselves and their babies are safe from infections. Yeah, I remember doing some reporting from Kenya a few years ago now on the rates of maternal mortality there. And the fact that many health facilities just didn't have water or soap was really a big contributor. And it's hard to believe that that's the case for one in three health facilities worldwide. Mix did raise a good point, though, about the importance of working with the communities. As we know, a lot of times the people these programs are trying to reach are not involved in decision-making at all, and that has an impact too. Yep, but one person who is trying to improve this at a community level is Nkwan Jacob Gobte. He is a WASH infection prevention and control nurse in Cameroon. He actually works with the Cameroon Baptist Convention Health Services. And so we spoke to him about what his experience has been as a nurse and then the actions he thinks related to WASH really need to be taken to improve the overall health of individuals. A lot of uh, global initiatives to promote health uh, have not really met the goals, beginning from primary health in 1978, uh, that actually specified uh, that water and sanitation were key to achieving health, uh, right up to Millennium Development Goals and now Sustainable Development Goals. If there is no water, if there is no sanitation, then you cannot talk about health. So water and sanitation are key to achieving health and especially uh, primary health care. And unfortunately, the coverage of water, sanitation and hygiene is very low in developing countries. According to the WHO report that was published last year, uh, about 1.5 million people use health facility without water and about 2 billion people, they use health facility with that basic sanitation. Meaning that people go to facilities where they will not be able to use a toilet and then healthcare workers are not able to wash their hands after they carry out procedures. And talk to me a little bit about the facilities that you've worked in or that are in your area. Is water sanitation and hygiene something that there are issues with access to? The most recent assessment that we did in December 2020, uh, reveals that wash coverage in Cameroon is just about 38%, meaning that um, about um, uh, 62 facilities out of every 100 uh, do not have a basic wash. So it is a very, very big problem in Cameroon, and I think that there is still a lot of work uh, to be done. And so what, when it is such a big problem, what does that mean for people who, who need 
uh, healthcare or who are trying to stay healthy? How does it put their own health and well-being at risk? If you have a facility that does not have water, does not have sanitation, then that facility cannot be able to offer quality health care. And if there is no quality health care, it means a lot of people that visit the health facility will become infected. They will stay in the hospital for long. It will drain their family income. So absence of wash is a very serious problem. It affects people within the health facilities. It affects individuals. It affects families and it affects the entire community. So I think that if we have to really reduce poverty, it will have to reduce maternal mortality, it will have to reduce neonatal mortality. There is one key thing we have to do to ensure that everybody everywhere have access to WASH. And so what would your recommendations be for improving that access to WASH? The first thing is there should be a political commitment. You know, there is no way individuals can have uh, access to WASH if government is not involved. The second thing, all health facilities should also ensure that there is water everywhere at all points of care and that there should be basic sanitation. Basic sanitation means that every health facility to have a toilet and that toilet should have one for females from, and then a separate toilet for males then separate toilets for staff and patients, and they should be well leveled. They should be clean. They should at least have some basic privacy. Individuals should also ensure that they provide wash services at home. And they also ensure that they teach, especially their children, how to use those facilities. One thing about children that I, I really admire is that when you teach a child, the child will never forget. So, we should ensure that even at the level of our families, we should be able to teach our children how to wash hands and we should teach them how to dispose of uh, human waste in a safe and acceptable manner. And are there any good initiatives or examples of this being done in Cameroon that you've seen? I mentioned about um, the local production of alcohol-based hand rub, which we started uh, in 2002, when I was an uh, infection prevention nurse in Banso Baptist Hospital. Uh, the first thing is that at that time, there were outbreaks of neonatal infections in the maternity unit. As uh, usually, we will have about uh, three or four episodes per year, and a lot of babies were affected. We discovered that the key problem was that hand hygiene was insufficient in that unit. So. We uh, uh, added portable hand washing points as well as started producing alcohol-based hand rub. And uh, as soon as we uh, embarked on promoting hand hygiene, uh, the infection rate started reducing. And within the next three years, that was 2006, we were able to eliminate neonatal sepsis in the maternity unit. That's one thing. Uh, the other thing is that beginning from 2017, we have been conducting comprehensive wash assessment in all our facilities. So all the facilities already know their gaps and every facility is moving towards improving. And we are now insisting on every facility to include a budget on uh, promoting wash within our setting.
Great. Thanks for sharing those examples. And finally, would you have, I don't know, a call to action or a key message for global health people or those just working in development in general about how important that intersection between WASH and health really is? You know, one thing that is very outstanding now is that um, global problems require global solutions. And I think COVID-19 pandemic has taught us taught us a lot of lessons that we must act together and that we must be able to support one another in situations like that because a problem every, anywhere is a problem everywhere. And I'm very happy that WHO has really been very uh, active in promoting uh, global partnerships. At the global level, we know that um, in facilities that do not have adequate wash, uh, COVID-19 really was proven to be transmitted uh, more than in facility that had washed. So uh, the best way to prevent uh, outbreaks, including COVID-19 and any other kind of infection, is to promote IPC wash in our health facilities. So my very, very important recommendation is that we shouldn't wait until when there is an outbreak before we start talking about wash. Because when we have adequate wash services, we will prevent outbreaks. And even when those outbreaks occur, we still need wash as a response strategy. But presently, we always think about wash as a response strategy, which is not the right thing to do. So we must ensure that we, we embark on um, promoting wash in every health facility, because that is the best way to prevent outbreaks. And also, that is the best way to respond to uh, outbreaks. The investment case seems so clear when providing clean water is so low cost and has all these positive outcomes on people's health. Absolutely. And that's something that we've heard so much throughout the pandemic. And as Nakwa and Jacob mentioned, WASH, it just really plays a crucial role when it comes to preventing outbreaks of any kind. Yeah, and not only that, without it, healthcare workers are unable to provide the quality care that we hear so much about. They might even inadvertently contribute to the spread of infection. I know, can you imagine being the people that are trying to deliver care, but in fact they end up actually doing more harm than good? Um, but I mean, outside of the hospital setting, I really liked what Nikwan Jacob said about making sure hand washing and infection prevention actually starts in the home. So, teaching children from a young age how to properly wash their hands. And all of this really reinforces that without clean water and sanitation, there's no way we'll be able to achieve good health and well-being for all, which is after all SDG number three. Yep, and next time we'll be discussing SDG 13. So we'll be joining you during COP26. So naturally, we'll be looking at the way in which WASH is impacted by climate change. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you about other innovative WASH projects you've heard about. Feel free to get in touch via Facebook, Instagram or Twitter using hashtag WashWorks or visit a broader WashWorks series, washworks.devx.com. If you've been enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and spread the word. Thank you for listening.